Hello, I'm Frank Keller, a paediatric osteopath, and this is the Happy Baby Podcast. The Happy Baby Podcast is about providing you with information about your baby and child. We'll do this by inviting guests to chat with us and by generating conversation about health issues that can affect your little one. We love talking about babies and children, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to our very first podcast episode. My name is Frank Kelleher and I'm a paediatric osteopath. I've been treating babies and children for a variety of conditions and issues for the last 20 years. Over the next few months, we will be discussing the most common issues we see and treat every day at our clinic in Cork, with the help of some very experienced experts who will join us for some discussions. I work with my wife, Rose, who manages the clinic on a day-to-day basis. Hi, I'm Rose. I was a nurse, a midwife and a practice nurse before I started working with Frank. So I like to think we have a good mix of skills between us. In this episode, we are going to talk about some of the most asked questions by parents. So let's get started. Now for the serious bit. Disclaimer, remember the information we will provide is general information. If you have any concerns about your baby or child, you should always contact the appropriate healthcare professional. Okay, so this is the first question. This came in via email from a mom named Sarah. Hi, Frank. My son is 10 weeks old. He has had his tongue tie cut twice and I can feel feeding starting to get sore again. I'm afraid it has reattached. He has got stuck during the birth with his head looking at the stars and he subsequently had a big purple bruise across his forehead for the first week of his life. Could this be contributing to the feeding issues? I don't want to give up breastfeeding, but I really do not want to get his tongue tie cut again. So in answering question one, let's talk about the birth process and how it can affect a baby's musculoskeletal system. And obviously your question is very current, really, in the sense that you've mentioned that you're concerned about that the baby has had a tongue tie release that may have reattached. And obviously that your baby presented looking up to the stars during the delivery process. So a baby's journey through the birth canal is quite a significant journey, really. And um, one of the key things that I look for when I'm treating a baby is whether they are showing signs of being in what's called an asynclistic position. What that means is that the baby is tensioned maybe out of the midline of the body to one side more than the other. And very often you'll actually see when the baby lies up on the couch that they're actually bending a little bit to the left or maybe also bending a little bit to the right. And that means that they have asymmetrical tension, so tension to that side of the body. How I feel that affects feeding is that they may get tension through their neck area muscularly, their rib cage may be tightened on that side, and indeed their pelvis might be hitched up on that side as well. And obviously, if the neck muscles in particular are tightened, that can lead to difficulty with sucking and full use of the tongue. So for me, it's very important that when you're treating a baby, that you try and restore symmetry in the body very simply to take the tension out of the neck muscles, 
to get the baby breathing very well through their rib cage and engaging their breathing diaphragm all the time. And also making sure that their pelvis is on a horizontal axis. It sounds very simple, but it is very, very important to have the baby's body symmetrical because the birthing process can lead to asymmetry. And that would be my judgment and my view, having treated many of these babies for many years. It will definitely then affect the sucking, swallowing and breathing that needs to happen in sequence for the baby to create a good latch, a deep latch, create that vacuum effect on the breast to be able to squeeze the milk through and obviously controlling their breathing at that time as well. So for me, it's important when I treat a baby who's struggling with breastfeeding and who may have had a tongue tie previously for the body to be restored to symmetry, i.e. no neck tension and the front or the back of the neck, really good breathing patterns through the rib cage, and very importantly, to have a horizontal pelvis because the small intestinal and large intestine or large bowel is in the area of the pelvis as well. So this is a key factor that I look at when I'm treating. And that should help restore good sucking, good swallowing and good breathing for the duration of the breastfeeds. Right, so the next question comes from a mom named Caroline. Hi Frank, my son has started showing signs of reflux. He has always been a good feeder and always worked well. He would polish off his bottles in 15 to 20 minutes and he was drinking up to six ounces like clockwork every three hours. At seven and a half weeks, he started getting very gassy and his poos were becoming very acidy, smelly. He also started passing on wind a lot. The last few weeks, it seems like he's in pain when he's feeding. He would drink an ounce or so and start getting crying and getting irritated, arching his back and being fussy like he's uncomfortable or in pain. I know he's hungry, but he is unable to take the feed fully. It's taken nearly two hours to try and feed him now. And he's not sleeping very well anymore during the day or even at night time. Is this something you could help with, Frank? Question two is a very good question, actually. And it is something that I would see on a daily basis in the clinic, really. So where the baby started off feeding very, very well and then has just become much fussier through the bottle feeds and is obviously showing signs of pain and discomfort from feeding with a question mark regarding reflux being the key thing that you've asked in your question. Reflux. Reflux is quite a complicated process. And for me and my experience of treating babies for many years, you have to find fundamentally see whether reflux is actually present or whether it's being pushed by something else. So what I mean by that is that there are many things that can contribute to a baby spitting up or refluxing. And if that spit up is either acidic or non-acidic. So the key thing for me is to ensure that a number of things are right, really, when you're treating a baby for reflux. So it's important, first of all, that the baby is able to suck, breathe and swallow well. So very often I give advice around the type of bottles that mums use when they're feeding their baby, because some bottles are better than others. And therefore, a baby who has the possibility of having reflux, 
maybe taking too much air into their body when they're drinking. So some of the modern bottles are much better at reducing air going into the baby system. The second thing that can contribute to reflux, and we know this from talking to tongue-tie practitioners like Deirdre O'Leary, who works with us, or even Dr. Justin Roach, who's a paediatric consultant in Clanmel, will tell you that a tongue-tie can influence reflux. So that is something that I will check for on every baby who attends the clinic, because if a tongue-tie is present, it will affect the baby's ability to suck, swallow and breathe, and in doing so, allow too much air to travel into the baby's stomach. Air mixed with milk will fill the stomach quicker and obviously can lead to a baby reflux in the content out. The next thing you have to look at is the baby's lower digestive system. So is the baby's gut, for instance, a little bit imbalanced? Is it a little bit immature? And as the digestive process is going through the the gut or through the small intestine and into the large intestine, is that process slowing down? And if it is doing so, is it creating too much air in that part of the digestive system? Now, if a baby has too much air in their lower bowel, they're going to push a lot. They're going to force and they may strain quite a bit as well. And so obviously they're trying to ease gas out of their system. The consequences of that are that they're increasing their abdominal pressure. And in doing so, that increases pressure on the esophagus valve of the stomach. And the consequences of that are very simply that a baby may reflux content out. The key thing with it is that reflux can also be associated with the type of food that the baby is drinking. So the formula that the baby may be drinking, they may not be able to break down properly. So they may also have a sensitivity to either the lactose or the protein within that formula. And for me, the protein sensitivity is very often the key and that pushes reflux. So if a baby's digestive system is not capable of breaking down the protein in the formula, that will increase the opportunity for reflux to occur. And when babies suffer from cosmic protein sensitivity, intolerance or allergy, In 40% of cases, those babies also have reflux. So reflux is multifaceted. It can be how you drink. It can be the anatomy of the body in the mouth where the tongue is tied. It can be due to your intestinal tract not being mature enough, i.e. your gut flora isn't functioning properly. Or it can be actually due to the formula you're drinking And that's driving the reflux process. There are some of the things that I see clinically every day in the the clinic. And these are the advices that I give to parents around how to solve this. So this is the next question. This came in from Deirdre. Hi, Frank. My son was born at 35 weeks. He spent 12 days in the neonatal. Since we brought him home, he is roaring, crying every day. We have been to the hospital with him three times. They said he has colic and reflux. He's on Losec and Aptimal Pepti. It seems to me like he's in a lot of pain and nothing can console the crying when he starts. 
He's very unsettled during the day and the night. Is this something you can help with, Frank? Okay, the answer to question three. I think in summarising, the baby is born at 35 weeks, spent 12 days in the neo, and is crying pretty much consistently since you brought your baby home. Obviously, is on medication for reflux, which is low sec, and is also on a hydrogelized formula called Actimal Pepti, which is easier for the body to digest. But he still seems in a lot of pain. Again, I see these babies clinically. I have a couple of ideas around what I think might be driving their system and creating this distress. I think what you have to realise is that a baby who's born at 35 weeks is born five weeks early. My experience of dealing with these babies for many years is that I believe, and this is my view, that their central nervous system is still under distress. And the way the brain works is very simple, really. It's about protection and preservation. And you have centres within your brain that help us with that. And a baby is no different. I think that when you're looking at trying to help a baby who is born a little bit early and who's had some time in the neo, their nervous system, in my view, would certainly have been pushed into what's called fight or flight. And fight or flight is where an area of the brain called the threat centre starts to switch on other centres of the brain to be very alerted because they've had a difficult entrance into the world and they've come into the world a little bit early. So for me, that is something that I would see physically with babies who attend the clinic. These babies are very often quite wide-eyed, are in constant motion when they're lying on the couch, have a lot of sensitivity to noise and changes in frequency of noise. There are primitive reflexes. So for instance, their startled reflex is quite heightened and they just look agitated and irritable a lot of the time. So as a paediatric osteopath, I look at very simple principles in terms of when you're treating them. Are they breathing very well? Or is their breathing under tension? I.e. is their ribcage a little bit tightened at the lower area? What's their neck and shoulder condition like? Are they holding on to tension within their neck and shoulders? Very often you'll find that the baby has tension in the neck and shoulder area and that's affecting their ability to feel relaxed. Also, when you work down through the musculoskeletal system, you very often find that they're, again, their pelvis and sacral area is again under tension or maybe out of symmetry, maybe a little bit hitched to one side or the other. So it's very important to get the baby's musculoskeletal system in the midline and symmetrical. It's also very important that when they breathe in and out, that the movement of their ribcage is nice and free moving. That allows their breathing diaphragm more space to function. It's also important that their pelvis and their sacrum are nice and level because their abdominal organs are doing a lot of the digestion for them. So these are things that you would look at. And so I sometimes will refer to these babies as the fight or flight babies. They just are intention because their musculoskeletal system has come into the world a little bit early. They've had interventions that were absolutely required for them in neonatal for protection and preservation. 
And the consequences of that is, I believe, it just turns the volume up on their nervous systems. And so my job is to try and turn the volume back down, bring their body neurologically back into neutral and allow them to breathe a little bit more deeply when they're taking their feeds to suck, breathe and swallow in a very rhythmical way. The other key thing with this is that what we know about babies who are born early is there's research around their gut flora, that their gut flora may be a little bit weaker than full-term babies and that they need and can benefit from a little bit of a boost to their gut flora. And one of the things I recommend quite a lot are probiotics for that group of babies. So for me, a 35-week-old baby who has a digestive distress and who is on medication and a specialised formula, in my view, would benefit from being on a probiotic also. So in summary, these babies' nervous systems are a little bit more challenged because they're in the world a little bit earlier. So they're a little bit more alerted and my treatment can be very helpful in restoring that balance to their nervous system, working through their musculoskeletal system, but also advising parents to look at probiotic therapy to help their gut integrity, to give it that balance again, to build up the healthy bacteria in the gut so that it improves their digestive process. This email came in from Charlene. Hi Frank. Our five-week-old son has problems with wind after every feed. He tries to drink his bottle so quickly and gets frustrated, unsettled and almost out of breath when we take it away from him. He has recently become very unsettled when he is put down to sleep, grunting and moaning, even though we've spent up to an hour winding him. He has had a very fast, quite traumatic birth. He was absolutely fine for the first three weeks, but has recently become very unsettled. I'd love to know if cranial osteopathy could help him. So in answering question four, there are a couple of things that you would look at. Obviously, the baby is drinking the feeds very quickly. It's getting quite frustrated and unsettled and even out of breath when they're drinking their feeds. And then when the baby is laid down in a horizontal position to sleep, they're grunting and groaning. And that's even after you've winded them. So for me, there's a couple of things that you need to look at with reference to a baby like this. The first thing is the speed at which the baby is drinking the bottle. So one of the first principles that you would look at is the bottle itself and see whether you could get a bottle that has a slower draw or a slower flow for the baby to slow the baby down a little bit more. Also that you use a technique called pace feeding. And what I mean by pace feeding is that the bottle itself is at a 90 degree angle to the mouth and also you can drop the bottle down a little bit so that the baby has to take their time feeding. And occasionally, if the baby starts gagging or choking when they're drinking, you take the bottle out and replace it with a soother where there is now no flow of milk coming through. So the baby can slow down and relax for a little bit and then give them back the bottle and they can start drinking again. One of the key things that I look for when a baby is bottle feeding is some particular signs that might be evident and may suggest that the baby has a tongue tie. Yes, fast-paced feeding would be one of those signs. The other thing is that 
Is the baby losing control as they're sucking? In other words, are they starting to gag when they're drinking? Are they start to cough or maybe to choke when they're drinking the feed? The other key thing that I would ask about is when the baby's actually drinking their bottle, are they leaking the milk out of the sides of their mouth? Because that indicates to me that they may not be able to form a proper seal around the teeth of that bottle And that is very often a sign that the baby actually has a tongue tie. When that occurs, I would certainly examine the tongue and the movement of the tongue. And if I find that there is some frenulum attachment or tongue tie, I will refer the baby to either Deirdre O'Leary, who works with us here in the clinic, or to Dr. Justin Roach in Clonmel. So these are things that you would look at when you're dealing with a a kitty who is drinking their feeds too quickly and is getting lots of wind. If you think about it logically, a baby drinks a feed five, six, seven times a day. On average, when they're drinking a feed over 30 minutes, they may be sucking close to 100 times. So that's potential for it each feed, if they're sucking for 100 times, of air getting into their tummy. Now, if their sucking technique isn't good enough, then they are more likely to take a lot more air into their tummy. Where does that air go? A lot of it, hopefully, as you said yourself, you spend an hour winding the baby and the wind comes out. A lot of it transitions through the stomach down into the small intestine. And that becomes a problem because you then start to get a baby who is bloated and who retains gas in the large bowel. And that would explain why some of the grunting and groaning goes on. And that is something that, again, can simply be caused by the bottle not being the correct one or the baby having a tongue tie. The other possibility is that the baby's gut flora, again, may be a little bit immature. And grunting and moaning is where the baby's trying to process the gas through their lower digestive system. Just a word on grunting. Babies grunt a lot in the first number of weeks of life simply because they're trying to push gas out through their lower intestinal tract and they haven't neurologically developed pelvic floor muscle tone yet. So when a baby grunts, they very often will grunt with their entire body system. Their face will go quite red, their muscles of their shoulders and their thoracic and chest cavity will push down and bear down. Very often they're pushing their breath out so they'll be moaning because they'd engage their voice box. And it's just because they're using a lot of effort to push gas out. And it happens with lots of babies. However, if you get excessive wind, you will see the baby will very often be bloated when you look at their abdomen to the size of the abdomen. And therefore, when you put them down in a horizontal position to sleep, It's very hard to squat and very hard to push air out. So again, I would very often give advice around elevating the baby or using different sleeping positions to try and assist them with this. When we treat this baby, we definitely examine their tongue tie for clinical signs. We will also have a look at their musculoskeletal system and make sure that, again, their neck and shoulder areas are nice and free-moving and are symmetrical We will also very much focus on the ribcage movement to make sure 
that it's nice and free moving. So their breathing diaphragm is flexing and contracting when the baby's breathing in and out because that's really important for feeding and for pacing the feeding. And ultimately, looking at their abdominal wall and particularly looking for what I call as connective tissue tension within that area, which might be, if you like, not helping the intestinal tract to do its job properly. So these are key areas that we would look at when we're treating the baby as well. Okay, this last question comes in from Jennifer. Hi, Frank. My three-week-old baby is showing signs of silent reflux. Our daughter had it. I'm reluctant to change his food at this stage as we did a lot of moving around for my daughter and it seemed to do more harm than good. My son is having awful nappies every second day. He's a bit wheezy after feeds. The public health nurse said this was normal in newborns. He's gagging after feeds, swallowing a lot, arching his back. I was told he was gaining weight and we just needed to ride it out, which I refused to do so. It's horrible seeing him in so much pain and discomfort after a feed. Is he too young for a visit? Please let me know. This is a very good question. And in terms of answering it, I will look at a couple of key areas that as a paediatric osteopath, I would look at really. I think it's significant that you're saying that your baby is showing signs of silent reflux and that a previous sibling of your baby boy, in other words, your daughter, has also had it before and that your reluctance to change the formula at this point in time. And the other key thing is that your son is having awful nappies every second day in terms of, you know, the consistency and I suppose the smell of the nappy is, is quite pungent as well and also what you're noticing is that your baby is a little bit wheezy as well and um, the public health nurse has said that that's quite normal in newborns and that also he's gagging after feeds and swallowing a lot um, and arching his back. When I look at this presentation yes you can have silent reflux. Silent reflux is where the content of the stomach comes up into the esophagus but then is swallowed back down again. And the risk you have with that is that you can have acidity with it. So if content, say, 30 minutes after the baby is fed, comes out of the stomach, then it is likely that there will be an acidic effect with the contents coming up into the the esophagus, which is the food pipe or the feeding tube. And so therefore you can get um, a heartburning sensation, which is very uncomfortable for your baby. There's a couple of other key things that I would suggest that you need to consider. You've mentioned a couple of other key factors. One of them is the awful nappies every second day. So very often babies can have quite explosive nappies with foul smelling um, matter that comes out and lots of gas associated with that. So for me, one of the things I would be thinking there is that the small intestinal tract may not be processing the formula that the baby is on as well as they should be. The other key thing that you speak about is your baby being wheezy. And yes, if you bring milk out of your stomach and into your esophagus or your food pipe and it comes up into the throat, then you can get a phlegm-like mucusy um, substance in the throat. But the other key thing with wheezing is that wheezing is a response to your respiratory system of sensitivity. So there may be a sensitivity from the formula that's aggravating your respiratory system. 
So when I would be talking to mom about their baby, I would be asking them things like, how was the congestion in the nose, for instance? And do they have a phlegmy cough as well as the wheeze? Because obviously, if they have those symptoms, you might have to pop along to your GP to check the chest and the middle ears just to make sure everything is okay. But it can be a symptom of a sensitivity within the formula. And the other key thing is that when I would be speaking to mum about the baby, I would be asking mum about baby's skin, particularly around whether baby is presenting with baby acne that isn't resolving, or maybe there are some dry patches on the skin, or maybe even some cradle cap at the top of the scalp starting to occur as well. But for me, when I look at this question, one of the key things I'd be looking at is whether the baby might have a sensitivity to the formula. And sensitivity to the formula pushes reflux, and it pushes reflux in about 40% of cases. So one of the things that you would be looking at is, does the baby actually need a formula change? And if the baby needs a formula change, at what stage do you do it? And for how long? And what's important to state is that you would do it in a very slow basis. You would use a transition chart, which the clinic sends out very regularly to parents to transition from one formula to another. And then you'd watch the clinical signs, because if the baby, for instance, has a cosmal protein sensitivity or intolerance, then using some of the hydrogelized formulas can really help that. And one of the things you would then monitor is some of the things you've spoken to me about in the question. Does the silent reflux start to improve? Does the baby have normal, regular bowel motions? Does the wheezing start to subside? Is the baby's skin starting to improve? Is the baby acne diminishing and resolving based on the new formula that the baby is on? And that would be something that I would definitely say is worth a consideration in this case. Well, that's the end of the first episode. We really hope you enjoyed it and that you found the information useful. If you did enjoy it, we'd love you to help us spread the word about the Happy Baby podcast. See you next time.